welcome to worship. We, uh, we're glad that you're here, whether you're here in person or you're gathering us by social media. Uh, we are glad that you have chosen to be here this morning. Uh, this morning I'm going to share a message with you that I began working on some 15 years ago that I've never preached. Uh, I, I was, as I was preparing my, you know, searching some, through some things and looking through, back through some things this week, I ran across a, uh, I mean, this was pre before I typed them out on the computer. Uh, you know, back, uh, I used to be more inclined to use, uh, pencil and paper and I would just jot down random thoughts while I was studying. And uh, so this uh, this message found its birthplace some 15 years ago, and uh, you know, I, and I believe that uh, sometimes we, you know, I might be, you know, I I might be prone to think, well, why in the world did you start on this 15 years ago, God, and just wait till now? You know, why couldn't you give it to me more so when the time comes and uh, so forth and so on? I don't know. I don't have I don't, I don't have answers to some of those questions. You know, uh, sometimes. Sometimes God really fickles me. Yeah, He really does. Sometimes, you know, but, you know, I come to this conclusion, if I could figure God out, or if you could figure God out, then He really wouldn't be God anymore, would He, if we had Him all figured out. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I would like you to turn them to Matthew's Gospel. And as we go to Matthew's Gospel, I want you to go to the 26th chapter. I had a hiss going on there I had to take care of. Matthew chapter 26. And as we go to Matthew chapter 26, I'm going to split up some reading for sake of time. I'm going to read to you verses 33 through 35, and then we're going to jump way down the same chapter into verse 69. Begin reading at verse 33. We find uh, Jesus has just spoken to Peter. And uh, Alicia, you don't realize how much this, what your conversation this morning goes along with what uh, in life groups, she led us in conversation in life groups about communication. That's what we've been talking, we've been talking about the last several weeks. How that Jesus is talking to Peter as in the as we lead into this. Jesus begins to tell Peter something he doesn't like. Has the Lord ever told you something you didn't like? He does me quite often when I just pick up and read the Bible. I find stuff that I don't like. It doesn't mean I don't like what God or, or I question God's authority. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means the, 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 the fleshly part of me finds myself in opposition to a lot of things that the Word of God tells me to do. Peter didn't like some of the things that Jesus was telling him. So Peter says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered and said, this, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, you see a declaration, that's, that's a, that's a firm word. 
Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. And we skip on down just a little bit further to verse 69. A lot of events have unfolded in the next few hours of time since the words we just finished reading. And now Peter was setting out in the courtyard. Jesus has been apprehended by by uh, by a, the, the Romans, if you would. And Peter's setting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You are, a, you are, a, you are also with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But Peter denied it before them all. And he said, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then he went out to... The gateway for another servant girl. Somebody said, thank, thank God for the girls. Where another servant girl saw him and she said to the people there, this fella, this guy over here, he was also following Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied those words again with an oath saying, I don't even know the man. And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of those. Your accent gives you away. And then Peter began to call down curses and he swore to them, I do not know the man. The man, of course, being Jesus. And then immediately a rooster crowed. What I want to preach to you this morning, and I apologize, my I've run out of screen there, but what I want to preach to you this morning is a message that I have entitled Grace, Mercy, and Dereliction. May Grace, Mercy, and Dereliction. I want you to know that there are seven valuable lessons that we can learn from Peter's failure this morning. Not only from Peter's failure, but my failures and your failures. You see, because all of us fail, all of us fall short of the glory of God. Now, when we think about Peter, Peter, uh, you know, he was a great, great man. He was a meager fisherman by trade. He was chosen by Jesus as one of his inner circles of disciples, and uh, his name was Simon in the beginning, and then he gives him the surname Peter because of the revelation that Peter received by the Holy Spirit, wherein he said that, you know, you are the Christ, the anointed one of Israel, and Jesus said from this time forward, you will be called Peter. And he says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed you this to you, Peter, but this has only come by the Spirit of the Lord. But this is the same Peter that with a razor-sharp sword amputated the ear of, of a Roman authority when he came into the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to, to apprehend Jesus. This is the same Peter who uh, was so insistent that he would never deny his relationship with Jesus, nor 
who in fact that Jesus suddenly found himself an utter miserable failure. This same Peter is now a dereliction of duty, if you would. He had miserably failed. Falling victim to his own words, Peter found himself blameworthy. He's worthy of finger pointing. He's worthy of accusations by his peers. He's worthy of criticism by you and me. Because this Peter just stood up and a few hours earlier and, and said, I'm not, I'll never deny you. Everybody else might, but not me, God. Not me. I, 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 I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. This same Peter that just a few hours earlier and as he, as he severed that ear off of that centurion, this same Peter now has found himself a miserable failure. He's guilty of all the things that Jesus told him would happen. Think about that. Jesus told him what would happen and, and Peter, even though Peter disputed his Lord, now he stands guilty. Many of you all have heard me use the adage, failure is not final. And certainly that thought applies once again to us this morning. However, our failures can be of great worth. And that's why I want to preach to you about seven valuable lessons pertaining to failure. And in these seven valuable lessons pertaining to failure, I want you to see that we're going to see the work of grace, the work of mercy that occurs during the work of dereliction, election of duty if you would the first the first valuable lesson that we learn from failure number one is that, that we need a dependency on God you see Peter was I, I don't doubt in my mind even for a second that Peter was not confident that he would never ever deny his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I've heard people in my day, you probably have too, that said, if they held a gun to my head, I would never deny my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I would like to say that too, and at the same time, I would like to think that I wouldn't, but at the same time, I've never been through what one of my missionary friends, now deceased, went through a number of years ago. He told the story of how he came out of uh, out of a country that was very much a communist country, and as he said, he was captured, he was interrogated, and a rifle held to his head and dry clicked, dry fired, as they were asking him to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. He responded, well, I don't know how I would do under that kind of pressure. I would like to think, and I will stand here and tell you, no, I will never deny my Lord Jesus Christ. But I haven't been in that situation yet, nor have you more than likely. You see, it, it was it was in this failing that 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 Peter failed, but yet he learned to have a dependency on God. We can see that as we look towards Peter's remaining part of his life, and and, and Peter learned that what he thought he could do in himself, how he thought he could stand, and how he even bragged or professed or declared that he could stand, that he really wasn't able to do when the time came. 
You see, you and I, in ourselves, in, in our in our fleshly being, you and I, we, we can't withstand the fiery trials of life. You and I can't withstand the 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 the, the uh, fiery darts of the enemy and the, the the spears of the enemy as they're hurled through us. But the Lord tells us to take on the whole armor of God. You realize it's not our armor armor that we take on, but it is the armor of God. You see, David. David, I think back so often times when David went out to slay Goliath, they wanted to man him with Saul's armor and he said, no, I can't wear it. It has not been proven that he went and he went in the equipping of the spirit with a sling and a few stones and he went to warfare. You understand that it's not about my armor. It's not about my equipping. It's not about yours either, but it is about the work of the Holy Spirit over our life that will equip us and and it's in that equipping that we learn to be dependent upon God. The second thing I want to share with you is that failure will teach us humility. Peter, he, he, he he had taken the ear off of the side of the centurion's head. Peter was standing up brazen in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter now finds himself when at the moment when he heard the rooster crow that third time, at that moment Peter's heart sank. At that moment Peter realized that the things that his Lord had spoken over him had certainly came to pass. That he learned and he discovered that his Lord and his Savior knew him better than he knew himself. It was in that moment that Peter came to a place of humbleness that he came to a place of humility that he entered into a place where he realized listen that the power that he had the authority that he possessed was not of himself but it was of another and you and I must remain humble in the spirit of the Lord because we must realize that it's not within our power it's not within our might but it's in the spirit of the Lord. And it's through that that we are equipped and we are and, and there are failures, though they hurt, listen, they hurt really bad. Our failures can be really embarrassing at times. Our fail, failures can be humiliating at time, humiliating at times. But humiliation brings us to humility and failures bring us to humility. And when we fail and when we miserably have, have landed on our face. Don't just lay there and wallow in pity, but while you're on your face, call out to the Lord and allow Him to minister in your life. Thirdly, I've got to move quickly. Failure teaches us that we don't always get what we want. Mm. Did you know that? That's a tough one for me. You know. Now my son's an only child. And how many only childs we have in the room this morning? None? One, two, three. Only childs, only single childs, children in family, sometimes are a bit spoiled. I'm getting a nod back there, you know, on the back pew, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Single children, only children, only in a single, single children homes. The only, my, my son is, I, I admit, I know, I understand, I, and I, He's a bit spoiled in, in probably several ways. But here, here's the thing about it. 
you know, I always, we always had, we just had the one we tried, his mother and I, we tried to give him the things that he, he always wanted or we felt like he need. But, but you know, sometimes, uh, Sarah's dad tells me, he says all the time, one of his little sayings, having too much is a whole lot better, as a, having too much is a whole lot worse than not having enough. And, and sometimes, sometimes we, we know all the things we need. If you don't know what, if you don't know what the person next to you, if they don't know what they need, you know, just ask them. They're going to tell you what they need. We think we know what we need. You know, when we pray, you know, sometimes I think prayer for us is so messed up because we go before God and we tell God everything we need and rather than ask Him what He has for us. Yeah. So we don't always get what we want. You see, Peter, Peter, Peter wanted, you know, Peter thought he had everything together. He thought in Peter's mind, you can interpret this through his deeds and his actions and even his words in the early scriptures that we read. Peter thought, felt, Peter was very confident he had it all together. He was Jesus' right hand man. He, he had this all down path. He was going to do good. But listen to me. You and I, we don't always get what we want. Everything doesn't work out exactly like we think it's going to work out. Everything doesn't happen exactly like we think it's going to happen or it should happen. And all these tie in together because that brings us to a dependency on God and it brings us into humility. So we don't always get what we want and failures let us know that. I have a friend of mine, I shared this quick story because I gotta, I'm gonna move on. But, but he tells about how that they, they had, they had done, they had completed this great church, they had completed this ministry, and he said they were having this dedication service, and, and as they were having this dedication service, they were respecting hundreds and hundreds of people, and as this per, this, as this man of God says that they were getting ready to have this dedication service on a Sunday evening, he got to his church and there was only a handful of people when they expected four or five hundred people there was only a meager handful there he was so devastated he had prepared for everything he had everything planned out he had everything lined up everything was good to go but but he gets there and there's only a handful of people to 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 uh to celebrate the building of this great facility and and this great church and all like that and, and he tells us he he told the story i've heard him many times tell the story about how he got in his car and he drove to the city limits of the town that he was in just because he wanted to see how it was going to feel to to leave town. And he he wrote his resignation out. He had it prepared to submit to his congregation. And then the Holy Spirit began to chastise his heart. The Holy Spirit began to speak to him and deal with him. And said, listen, this is not about you. It's not about buildings. It's not, it's not about gathering crowds. But this is all about my kingdom. You see, we don't always get what we want. And sometimes failures help to teach us that. Failures teaches, teaches us that we can correct our course. You know, that's basically repentance. Correcting our course. You know, failures teach us uh, that uh, a lot of times, and let me tell you something, in, in, in 30 years, 30 whatever years of, of ministry and in, in that 30, 31, 32 years of ministry and 29 of that has been pastoral ministry, I think now. I, I can't keep count very well anymore of, of the years, but this is one thing I found out that I've made a lot of silly mistakes in ministry. 
I've got a Bible in my office in there, and it's the first Bible that I that I uh, that I ever had. I guess a full size study type Bible, and 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 I, I flip through that Bible occasionally. It's fallen all to pieces, you know. It's just coming apart. It's the Bible that I was studying and reading when the when the Holy Spirit began to deal with me about preaching, and, and I go through that Bible, and because as I would read and I would study, and I would have I would have sermon thoughts, message thoughts, even long before I ever preached a message and I would write them down in the margin of that Bible. I want to tell you all something. I wrote down some really dumb stuff. And I've got uh, I've got messages from my earliest messages. I told you this. I've been sitting on some some memoirs for, of this message this morning for several years. I've got some messages that I can turn back to into the the, the early two thousands. And I want to tell you, I, I preach some really dumb messages. I thought, what wall did those fall off of? You know. But you know what? I, I look back and, 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 and we learn from our mistakes. We learn from, from our misjudgments. We learn from the error of our ways. We learn from those things. And, but the important thing is, it, the way to know if we've truly learned a lesson is if it corrects or changes our course. If if a lesson doesn't change our course, if you took a math lesson and you added two and two as six, or you added three times three as eight, and you you learn and, and you failed that test, and you take it again and do the same thing, you really didn't learn anything. But if two and two becomes four, and three times three becomes nine, then you have learned a lesson from the mistake you made. So don't be afraid of mistakes. Use them for your advantage and let them teach you. Fifth thing is failures bring us to maturity. Now, we got a couple weightlifters in the room. They work out. They lift weights. He's turning red. Here's here's what I don't know a whole lot about weightlifting, but I know a little bit of weight about weightlifting. If if you lift if if you just do a lot of reps and lift a small amount of weight, it gives you muscle tone. But if you lift more then you probably ought to be able to lift. If you if you if you go to the biggest extreme and you lift lift weights that 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 is this pushing you to the limit it actually tears the muscles in your body and the object of it is as that muscle tears as that muscle pulls apart it doesn't grow all the way back together and as it has it fails to grow all the way back together and you just keep tearing it over time and over weight, lifting these weights and pushing yourself and then those muscles get big and bulging muscles, you know, and popping out everywhere all over you, you know. They get big because you're ripping that muscle and it doesn't grow back together. And, 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 you, and, and you come to a maturity with the failures that we have in life. And I look back and my failures are many. Maybe yours are not, but mine, mine are. My failures are many. But you look back at all of the failures that you've had in life. Listen, those failures, because they correct us, because they, we don't always get what we want, because they bring us to humility, because it creates a dependency on God. Those 
failures will bring us to maturity. I want to tell you something. Peter was a whole lot more mature once he had failed God. These these three times in one night, in one evening, Peter failed God three times after he made his braggadocious uh, claims that he would never ever fail God. Peter now had come. Yes, he was a broken man. Yes, he was convicted. He might even been felt condemned within his own right, within his own self. But let me assure you this. Peter was more mature when that rooster crowed the third time than he ever was at any point before in his life. Sixthly, failures will teach us to persevere. I say this from time to time. And it's it's not profound. It's not profound by any means, but I think it's pretty good. But I've never seen it appear on Pinterest or Google or any of those places before. I've never seen this quote by N.R. Taylor. Now, some of y'all want to do that, uh, you know, for me, I'll give you five bucks, okay? But here's, here's my thought that I've used for so many years. Have you ever been through anything that you didn't get through? Is there anybody in this room that's ever been through anything that you didn't get through? Have you ever been through anything that you didn't make it through? The reality of it is, every one of us has made it through whatever we've been through. No matter how many times you've failed, you've made it through. You're a survivor. No matter what's come your way, and we could talk about physical afflictions and things like that, and, and economic collapse and political stuff and all like that. But, I, but, but let's let's just keep it to me and you today. Uh, you, you, any any failure that you have made, anything that you have collapsed in, any anything anything that you have miserably fallen on your face with or through or over. Let, let me let me announce to you today, whether you realize it or not, you made it through it. You made it through it. And if, if there, if, it's not really if, and when there's occasions in your future that you fail miserably again, and I'm not saying you go out and pursue failure, but, but it's going to come our way. It's, it is going to happen. When it happens again, guess what? I, with God's help, I am going to make it through it. Failures are not to stop us. Failures are not to to kill us. Failures are not to to eliminate us. God, the one thing that God does not want you to do is to fail. But we have failed. He didn't want Peter to fail. Yet Peter failed. I'm going to get to that in more detail in just a moment. So he wants us to persevere. And I've already really touched on this. The seventh thing that he wants is lessons. Well, from failure, the seventh one is we will prevail. We will come out. Hopefully we've come out smarter. Hopefully we've come out knowing more. Hopefully we've come out with more humility. Hopefully we're coming out, you know, with a greater dependency on God. Hopefully we understand we always don't get what we want. Hopefully, hopefully our course is corrected. Hopefully, hopefully we're more persevering. 
So, so why do failures occur in our life? Well, let me, let me share some things with you. Number one, and I'm basing this on this, this account of Peter. It's more than a story. It is an account. God is aware of our failures before they ever occur. This is biblical proof because in Luke 22 and 31, which we, uh, which is uh, Luke's account of this same event, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Peter's name before he changed it, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. You see, before you and I ever fail, God knows it. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me describe this to you another way. Nothing surprises God. You hear me say all the time, He's omniscient, He's omnipotent, He's omnipresent, okay? That means He's everywhere, all the time, anytime, and He knows everything. God doesn't, God, here, here we sit maybe wondering what's going to happen in 2024, or wondering if we'll even see a, a 2022 as a nation, and, 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 or, or maybe you're wondering if you'll even get to see Christmas this Christmas, maybe you've had a diagnosis, and we're sitting here, and we're, we're, because none of us know what's going to happen. Really, the reality of it is, of, of it is this, is none of us know really what's going to even happen the rest of this day. You don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now, none of us really know that. Now we we have a hope, and we make an assumption of what will happen. You know, at twelve o'clock, you're hoping that I'll be done so you can get to Cracker Barrel before all the Baptist folks get there. You know, and we're make, we're making assumptions, but the reality is we don't know what's going to happen even five minutes from now. But the truth of the matter is, God knows what's going to happen for all of eternity, or eternity, because He's eternal God. You see, because in reality, in the in the in the in the comprehension of God, there's not really a yesterday, and there's not a today, and there's not a tomorrow. Because God says, "I am." That means He's right now. The only time God really knows is I am. He is right now. So, so if when Peter failed him, Jesus, uh, God already knew that. Jesus was well aware of that because Jesus is God. He was aware Peter was going to fall. So why wouldn't Peter believe that? Well, apparently he didn't quite understand the fullness of God as it was given. So he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Understand this. When you have failed and I have failed, God does not look at us and say, oh, I can't believe they failed. I did not know that they were going to do that. No. He knew it from the eons of the earth. And but what I want you to know here, this, this is omniscient grace. And listen to what I'm saying to you. Because if we go on to Luke 22 and 32, this is what Jesus said. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But then he says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you, listen to this, pay attention to the wording of this. He said, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. But then he turns in the next sentence, he said, and when you have turned back. Hello? Now, does that make sense? Does that make sense? I prayed for you that you're not going to fail, but when you've turned back. So Jesus already knows that Simon is going to fail. But he said, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. 
And I'm not, I, okay, I'm not going, I'm not going, uh, I'm not going full blown Pentecostal eternal security here. But listen to what I'm saying to you. You look at that scripture and you dissect it. And he says, Simon, I prayed for you that your faith not for I, I want to tell you something. I believe when Jesus prays, Jesus' prayers are answered, okay? He said, I pray that your faith will not fail. But Simon's will did fail. Are you with me? Simon's will did fail. Simon said, I can do this. I got this covered. I'm cool. I'm good. And what I want you to see here, it is, if you would, it's omniscient grace of God. Because God lets us be, we are individuals. We are, if you would, free will. We have a free will. We are free will moral agents. God will allow us to make decisions. He does not stop us. He will not hinder us. We are not robots. We are, we, we are, we are not uh, some kind of, of mechanism that God's had. And when we get saved, then it, He comes down and just takes control of our bodies and makes us do everything right. We're not that way at all. We still have a self-will. We have our own will. and But but yet, our will is dictated is because we're made up of soul, uh, mind, and spirit. Then what we find out is, or soul, body, and spirit, what we find out is that there is that ongoing struggle of flesh versus our spirit. Flesh versus the spirit of God. Even when we're born again, there is still a warfare that goes on in our being, in our lives. And oftentimes we fail. But he said, listen, I prayed that your faith will not fail. He said, and when you have turned back. Jesus didn't say, and if you turn back. He said, and when you turn back. Let me tell you something. I'm a believer that if we get a hold of Jesus Christ, that we, he said, I'm married to the backslider, even if we go over a little ways, even if we fall in flat of our face, I believe Jesus knows that there is a faith that will raise us up and bring us to a place in Him. It's a work of restoration. He says that we're sealed until the day of promise. I believe that when we fail, it's a work of omniscient grace because it's the grace of God that says, I'm going to let you continue making your decisions. I'm going to let you continue to make choices in life and but, but I am prayed for you already that you will not lose your faith and when you fall and when you fail and you're laying in the dust of the ground flat on your face I'm believing that you're going to get up and you're going to return to me and I'm going to strengthen you because listen it's not God's will that any man should perish but it is God's will that every single one of us in this room or that is watching live stream today that we inherit eternal life through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you go to hell, you'll go to hell walking through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you have to realize that even among failures, grace is at work. So Jesus is the resurrection. And here's the other, uh, I missed my, I missed a slide. So not only is grace at work, but mercy is also at work. Mercy is at work because it's mercy that picks us up out of the dirt. You see, grace lets us make our decisions. Grace lets us have an intellect and a mind of our own. 
But mercy comes along when we don't deserve it, and none of us do. And mercy is, come up here, Heath. Come up here and help me. Come up here and help me. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. You see, to, to, to give you an illustration, see, he, he decides that he, he wants to go on a journey and there's, there's a pitfall in that journey. He doesn't really mean he's not pursuing failing, but he fails. Failing means to fall, fall. Flat of your face. So he's fallen flat of his face. How much you weigh? One what? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. I weighed that when I was in school. Yeah. You got a belt on? Yeah. Yeah. So, so grace just allowed him to fail. Grace, grace, grace just allowed him to do the thing that he wanted to do. Okay? So he's fallen. He's fallen, but grace is still watching over him. And then along comes mercy. And mercy picks him up. And mercy picks him up. And mercy turns him in the opposite direction to go his own way. And mercy restores him to the fullness of everything God has you. I think you weigh more than 135. But, but God allowed, but God, you see, it's the grace, it's God's gracious to us. He's not going to make us do anything. And it's his grace that allows us to do the things we want to do. But then mercy will come along and will pick us up and restore us and set our feet back on solid ground. You see, it was mercy. It was a grace that allowed Peter to fail. It was mercy that restored Peter because Peter had a dereliction of duty, if you would. So here's what I want to leave you with this morning. The first thing I want to leave you with this in, in, in the light of failure, and we all have them. This is number one. I want you to get over yourself. Get over yourself. You know, one of, you know, I know I, as, as hard as this is to believe, there are people that don't like me. I know you're looking at me and saying that's unbelievable. I'm just messing with you. Sometimes my wife don't even like me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. She does. She tells me all the time. She said, I don't only love you, I like you. But you know, I can get by. It, I, it doesn't make me happy and I, don't, I, I certainly don't gloat in it, but... You know, I could find out that Jerry don't like, Jerry doesn't like me. I could find that out. Jerry doesn't like me. You know, and that may hurt my feelings a little bit, but life goes on. Okay? I may find out Faye doesn't like me. And that would really hurt my feelings. I'm her favorite pastor, you know. And if I found out Faye doesn't like me, I, I you know, it's going to hurt my feelings. And I don't even go say, Faye, why don't you like me anymore? 
But life goes on. But you know, and, and that's just the way it is. But you know something? But when, when, when you don't like yourself, that's a whole different ball game. Because when you don't like yourself, life doesn't so easily go on. I, I failed so much. I, I have, I, I have, I have done this and I've done that and you, you know, and all this stuff. What if, what if Peter had said, what if Peter said, oh man, now, you know, I done cut a guy's ear off. I shouldn't have cut it off. Jesus had to put it back on. Now, the, you know, I argued with him. I told him he didn't, basically he didn't know what he's talking about. And now, lo and behold, that rooster has done cock-a-doodle-doo the three times. And, and here I have, I've done denied Jesus three times and, uh, or I've denied Jesus three times and the rooster just out crowed and and he said I'm such a failure I'm such a miserable failure but when I turn over to John chapter 20 I find this out there was two guys that run to the tomb As as they were running to the tomb the one guy named John he outrun the other guy to the tomb maybe he was taller I don't know maybe he worked out more but he, John outrun the other guy. But when the other guy got to the tomb, the other guy said, man, I'm not standing out here trying to look in. He said, I'm going inside there, baby. And he goes inside and he sees the grave cloth and the napkin folded and laying on the place where the body of Jesus had been laid. That guy that was maybe a little bit slower getting to the tomb, few footsteps behind, but he's the one that went in the tomb. He was Peter. You see, he could have, he could allow his failures to stop him from even going to see where they had put Jesus. He could allow his failures to prevent him in every way. But Peter got over himself. Sometimes you and I just need to get over ourselves. You see, in John 21, we find then that Peter quickly comes back home. We find Peter and uh, many of his other comrades in John chapter 21. Here Peter, he's already went through all of these failures. He goes into the tomb of Jesus. He knows Jesus is not there. He's, he's confident something has happened. And lo and behold, here we find him now in John chapter 21. And he's back out in a fishing boat doing what, if you would, Jesus had brought him out of. You see, he went back to what was common to him. He went back to what was comfortable for him. He went back into his comfort zone because Peter may have failed as a disciple, but he thought, man, I know how to fish, so I'm going back to fishing. And there, Jesus approaches him and his buddies one more time. And he, and, and as he gets them up on the shore, as he gets them up on the bank, and Jesus begins to teach them one more time, he asks Peter a question. He says, Peter, do you love me? Well, Lord, you know I do. He said, then feed my sheep. Three times. Three times, the fallen, the felled Peter, the broken Peter, the Peter that had, was laying on his face uh, in, down in the dust, the Peter that had miserably collapsed under pressure, the, the Peter that had actually argued with his master, the Peter that had failed so many times. Now Jesus, out of all the guys that were there, he's the one that Jesus says, do you love me? 
Let me tell you something. In essence, you really don't have to tell Jesus that you love Him. He already knows that. Jesus asked that question more for Peter's good than He did His own. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I do. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. You notice what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say, well, why did you deny me three times? He didn't say, well, why did you jump up and cut that guy's ear off when you knew what had to happen? He didn't say any of those things. He just said, feed my sheep and feed my lambs were the two answers, two of the three answers. You see, you and I, in so many ways, are miserable failures in our own right. But Jesus does know our heart. But just because He knows our heart doesn't mean that He doesn't want us to profess our and proclaim our love for Him. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I do. You see, Jesus is that resurrection. He is the truth. He's the life. I'm not asking you to confess your failures before me. I don't want you to do that at all. It's up to you if you want to, if you have things that you want to openly confess before the Lord. I believe that's good. It's healthy for you. It's biblical. But understand with me. Jesus didn't ask Peter for a confession of his failures. He just asked him to reaffirm, verbally reaffirm his love for him. Not for Jesus' well-being again. Not for His sake. But for Peter's sake. I believe there's probably people sitting in this room and no doubt watching by live stream this morning. Again, I know we've all failed. But I think there's people in this place right now that need to reaffirm for your sake. For your own sake. You need to reaffirm your love for Jesus Christ. He knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows my heart.